0: So, on the same line that during the questions and answers we talked, I'm going to share with you before we start a quick small experience. I was working in my garden and I had, we live in Maryland on the mountain, it's not a real mountain, Colorado or Montana, no, it's a hill but they call it a mountain anyway. Uh, and uh, it's solid rock, I mean, solid bottom rock, just not rocks, just one big, the whole thing. And the dirt is like so little, I mean, you cannot plant a garden. And I planted a garden and I prayed and I worked hard and nothing grew. And then I planted a garden and nothing grew, and the little that grew, the bugs ate it all. And then I planted a garden and I prayed and nothing happened. And then what I did, I went in the garden and I said, why don't I apply what I teach people? And I said, Lord, I'm not going to pray for me. I'm not going to pray for my garden. I'm going to pray that you use the garden for the neighbors and for others. And so if you give me a garden, 50% of the garden, I'm going to use it for mission. I'm going to go from neighbor to neighbor. Give them tomatoes and the book and the prayer. And I'm going to go to work and give them tomatoes. And I'm going to go to school and give them. And I'm going to go to everybody around. And use it to build bridges and to be a blessing. Until then, I didn't know what to do about the garden. And so I said, you know what? I need dirt. When I went I went to a nursery. And they, for some yellow (coughs) garbage, poor quality clay... Not good. Not compost. They wanted 650 for a truck. And I would need about 11 trucks. Do the math. I mean, how many vegetables do you buy for that money? And you don't have to work in the garden, you know? (laughs) And I said, nonsense. And I drove home. And I was driving home and praying. And I see some big farm with big bales of hay. Nice, gigantic, ground, big bales, And in order to be lazy not to work in the garden, I put paper and straw or hay above. Those who know a little about gardening, when you put paper and some straw or hay, like 5 inches, not one weed. You never have weeds. Zero. And you don't have to water. Six weeks, no rain, everybody, gardens dead, grass dead, soil cracked. I would lift up the paper, it was moist and nice and soft. So you do water a little, once every several weeks. But you don't have to weed, you don't have to water too much, you don't. You can be lazy, you know, it's wonderful. And so so I said, I'm going to stop and get a few bales. I got on Amazon a a roll of paper like 1,200 feet by 5 feet. For like $16, that's going to last me until Jesus comes. And that was, you know. And I I said, I'm going to buy a few uh, bales of hay. And I hate for my garden. I just need dirt. And I was praying, Lord, if you give me the garden, I'm going to give 50%. Use it as mission. Use it to bless others, not for myself. And as I go to the farm, a guy comes. And he was Mennonite. I says, can I help you? I said, yes. How much do you want for the bales? He says, I expect it because I went to others and they wanted for a big bale $50 and for a small square, you know, those small bales, $11. And he says, uh, $3. I said, for the small ones? He said, no, for the big. I said, what? I said, I don't want to steal from you, brother. He says, no, that's, I have too many. They get rotten, They I cannot use them. And I said, "Whoa! Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I said, you made my day. And I said, I wish I found the same deal about dirt. He says, what? I said, I went to that nursery. You see that next to you there? And they want 650 for a truck of yellow clay. And he said, well, I don't have dirt, but I do have manure. That's the gold. Yeah. <laughs> he says, you see those cows, 250 cows? You see that gigantic barn where they sleep? I put hay or straw. And then every two days I clean it and then come here with me. And he took me behind the big and two mountains literally of manure. One was fresh, steam was coming, and one was one was two years old. And he says, I have too much of it. I said, This is gold. This is rich. I said, How much do you want? And he said, ten dollars a truck. I said, How much? $10. $10. I said, 100 No, 10 I said, do I hear what I hear? He says, you did hear what you heard. And so I came and I took 11 trucks and filled at the height of the cinder blocks around my garden because I, I didn't want the rain to wash it away, you know. I filled with manure. Heaven. You could not believe cana and tomatoes. I have pictures. 3 pounds tomatoes, 4 pounds eggplants, 3 feet and a half watermelons. I could go on and on. 10 feet tall tomatoes, 50-60 tomatoes per plant. I counted 32 peppers on one plant, 9 eggplants on one plant. The eggplants tall up to here. I mean, you talk about gigantic without spraying, without, because it was rich. And I said, Lord, you bless me so much. I mean, I pick up five, six buckets every day, and next day again, and next day again, and next, and I gave to everybody, and I gave, and I gave, and we canned, and we froze, and I gave, and still have too many. I don't know what to do with them. They are going to spoil. What a blessing. And so, what is the lesson? It's not gardening. When I prayed for myself and I wanted to have a garden, I didn't get one. And when I committed to bless others, God gave me more than I needed. Amen. And I've seen it in small things and in big things. Again and again and again. The more I focus on me, the worse it gets. And the more I focus on God and focus on others. And I I, I try to do what God called us to do. God never called us to be blessed. God called us to be a blessing. Amen. The reason He gives you a blessing is not that you keep it's that you share it. And the more you share, the more He can bless you. And so when I focus on being a blessing, that's when God pours blessing over me as long as I am faithful in spreading them around. And so I could give you a ton of examples. I told my wife, you see that family? They don't have this and that and that. Let's give it to them. She said, deal. She never argues when we help people. Let's do it. As soon as we gave it to them, somebody comes and says, this is, we did business with us. And as, thank you, we want to give you a new juicer. And I said, yesterday we gave our juicer and we got a new one. How did they know? And she said, well, Jesus did know. (laughs) There was no rain, no rain, no rain. Six, seven weeks, no rain. And I go there and I lift up the paper and it started to be dry. And I said, the garden is going to die. I go in the garden and I pray, Lord, if the garden dies, it's okay. It's your garden, it's not mine. Because you blessed it. It's your vegetables. But if the garden dies, how could I keep going to the neighbors? So would you give me rain? And God spoke in my mind and said, close the trailer door. What? What? Close the door of the trailer. What? We have a big 20 feet long covered nice trailer that we used when we moved. And when our son moved, we moved him. And the lady from work moved and we helped her move. And when our son moved, he moved in a smaller house from a bigger house. And he had no room for his furniture. And he left his furniture in our trailer. And he called my wife and says, Mommy, I need the round table. My wife opened the big back door that you can drive literally a car inside that trailer can move cars. She opened the gigantic back door. She took the table and she didn't have the strength to close the door back. She wanted to tell me to close the door and she forgot. And she left the door open. And so imagine if the rain came, it would have got to the furniture. And so God says, close the trailer door. So I say, am I hearing what I hear? So I go around the house. Sure enough, the trailer door open and the furniture, she left it out as she wanted to get to the table. She took some of them out and left them out. So I put them back inside. I close the trailer. Poo! Torrential rain for four hours. Wow. wow! I go inside. I don't know, to laugh or to cry. And I'm like jumping. And she says, you prayed for rain? Yes. She says, I knew that you did. And she says, praise the Lord. I said, you don't know half of the story. God told me to close the trailer door. And she says, oops, sorry, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> isn't that something what a God we have the more you focus on serving the more you experience his power he never intended to give you power so you could serve self but that's not our sermon let's go back to the sermon and so we said in the morning now we start the sermon (laughs) now we start the sermon We said in the morning that God is looking, searching, 7 billion people searching the world, looking for one. God doesn't need numbers. He would like to have numbers. But what he needs, he needs total, absolute commitment. Absolute, absolute, no reservation commitment to any degree. You are my martyrs. You remember what I said in the morning? Basically, willing joyfully to die for him and consider it a privilege. Not think twice. Ready to go to prison. Ready to die. We don't have that type of commitment in our days. Our society is absolutely self-centered. And you see that in the church too. Unfortunately. And I am talking about me too. I'm not talking about you. I don't know. You may be saints. I'm just saying, in our society, people are self-centered. Am I right? Okay. And so, God is looking for one person. Wherever he can find one that is fully committed, God can do more than anybody in this world would even attempt to imagine a drop of it. God can turn the world upside down with one committed person because that person, he can control, he can use the most. Absolute commitment. Absolute commitment. And so, the disciples committed all after they understood the cross, I said in the morning. You remember? The pioneers, 1844, they committed all after they understood the sanctuary and the cross. You remember? I talked about quotations, I gave you examples, and so on and so forth. I'm just reviewing a little, so I get you back in speed. When we understand the cross, let me give you a few examples. You don't have time to go through too many. I have here about 23 examples. We may take one or two. George Miller. George Miller. He used to be in alcohol. He used to be in a lot of things. I'm not going to go through the story. You can read his life. But he says, when I understood the cross, I gave up everything and committed my life, my house, my job, my time entirely to service. Who among us would be willing to do that? And when he committed everything. He started to get gigantic donations without any fundraising. He never asked one person. Never. He was just praying never for self. Never for self. He would not tell people who say, tell that person because he's rich. He would say, now I told God and that's enough. And so Churchill says he saved quote, an entire generation. When the bomb started to fall in England... The whole city went to Ashley Down building there. And they asked them, why do you go to that building? Because the bombs could drop on that building. And people would say, God is with this man. Around him is safe because God is with him. Everybody knew that God is with that man. When you fully commit, people are going to see God with you that's amazing they would say that about my father i remember you you heard the story probably i'm going to tell you the story with the earthquake but anyway and so he he was a man of prayer george miller and he prayed mostly all the time he prayed for five friends he had five close friends you know how long he prayed for them 73 years That's a long time, brother and sister. I mean, he prayed. And after 18 months, the first one was converted. After three years, the second one. After 10 years and a half, the third one. And then the fourth and the fifth, never. And they asked him, why do you keep praying? Don't you see that God doesn't answer? And he says, oh, when I don't pray for me, God always answers. It's just that they are stubborn. So I I need to keep praying so God could keep working. And he says, I am yet to wait for the answer. The answer is on the way. I just have to wait. You follow me? He says, God certainly answers. I just have to wait. Those who wait upon the Lord. He died. 93 years old, he died. After his funeral, one of the, the fourth one, one of the fifth, the fourth one that didn't convert it, got converted, and then four months later, the fifth one. So God did answer. Two of them post-mortem, but nevertheless. <laughs> People that walk with God. People that walk with God. I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump a little because we don't have time and I do want to finish. His name is Muller, George Muller. Okay, thank you. I'm going to jump a little. I don't know if you know about this lady, do you? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, no. She started the largest church in China. She started with about six people. Praying from 4 to 6 a.m. Praying from 4. How many of you want to come here tomorrow morning 4 a.m.? How many of you would be willing to wake up at 4 a.m. and pray? I was in the army. And at 5.30 we started the instruction in the training field. So I would pray, Lord, wake me up early enough so I don't start the day without you. And God would wake me up at 4 a.m. and it became a habit. I wake up at 4 a.m. without any clock. God would wake me up at 4 a.m. And because it was against the law to have Bible or anything, my girlfriend in that time, my wife now, she would send me long, impossible long 20, 30 pages letters. And though she writes beautifully, she would write the worst writing, handwriting possible that nobody could understand. And she would write nonsense, stupidity, about cooking, about the game, about soccer, about... And two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten pages of nonsense because every letter was censored. They, the communist government, checked everything. And then in the middle of the letter somehow, she would write a paragraph from the Spirit of Prophecy and two, three Bible verses. And they would read, 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 and they would say, garbage, and give me the letter. And I would chop up the garbage and keep the little paper with the paragraph. And I open my coat and hid them in the coat inside between the two pieces of material. And in the morning at 4 a.m., when God would wake me up, would wake me up, I had a little, little flashlight under the blanket so I would not be caught with Bible verses. Under the blanket, I would read those Bible verses and those quotations, paragraphs from the Spirit prophecy, and then spend time in prayer. And I would pray until 5.15. And then get dressed. 30 when the, the trumpet would go off, I was ready. Well, I, every night I said, Lord, wake me up in the morning. So I start with you. God woke me up one night at 2 a.m. I said, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at the clock. Come on. I want you to go back to sleep. I said, it's a mistake. I said, please, wake me up at 4. Come on. And God said, no, get up. Not comfortable, but I got up. I got dressed. Then I got under the blanket, and I did my study, and then I said, OK, I'm done. I'm going to go back to sleep. In that moment, the trumpet went off around 30. It was a war drill, a war exercise. And all those, when you have a war exercise, you have 15 seconds to be ready for war. All those that were not ready were put for one whole 24 hours arrest in a cell. They had to arrest everybody because it was they were bumping heads, they were, you know. I was the singular outside because I was already dressed. I was outside in the polygon, in the training field, straight waiting. And the commander comes, where are the others? Bumping heads, they don't get to the bathroom, they don't get to the clothes, because you are not supposed only to get dressed, but you're supposed to have all the weapons, all the masks, all that, you know? And he says, How in the world you got dressed so fast? I said, I'm quick. <laughs> <laughs> When you start the day with God and you ask Him to wake you up and you make it a priority and you don't care if it's 2 or 4 a.m. because you love Jesus more than sleep, then He's going to start doing it for you. But it takes commitment commitment to prayer, commitment to God, commitment to service, not commitment to you. We are committed to school, we are committed to work, but we are not committed to prayer. Am I right? Mueller, am I do I say it right? <laughs> Mueller was a man of prayer. We say why God did miracles for him and he doesn't do them for me. Pray like him. Mm-hmm. And then you will have miracles. And by the way, don't look for miracles. Look for service, look for God, look for other things. Anyway, this lady started to pray at 4 a.m. with six other ladies. And the church started to grow from 6 to 10 to 150 to whatever, 7,000 members, 20,000 members. And then she was overseeing 20,000 And then she, together with her group, started to pray instead of 4 to 6, praying from 4 to 9 a.m. Can you grasp that? And people, some of them would go to work around 7. But the others would keep praying from 4 to 9 every day. And eventually they planted 380 churches. If every member would pray that way and plant 380 churches, Jesus would have come long ago. It's not that God cannot finish the work. It's that we are not committed. We are selfish. We are very comfortable. And sometimes it takes a COVID or persecution or whatever trial for us to wake up. And to understand Jesus is coming. These things are going to burn. There is no time to love this garbage. Nobody says don't have a house, don't have a job. But don't make it a priority. Don't make it a God. And so the reason we don't experience power today is because we don't have the right priorities. We need to understand the Calvary. I jumped four slides trying to make progress. We need to focus on God, not on self, not on our needs. We need to fully commit at any price. Remember, when they understood the Calvary and they fully and they prayed and they received the Holy Spirit and they fully committed, they were one. And Jesus says in John 17, I pray that they are one. As the Father and the Son, so they. Can you grasp the unity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And uh, He prays that the church should be united the same. When the disciples finally committed to prayer and they started to understand the cross, and then they became one to the degree that everybody knew that they walked with Jesus. And Jesus says in his prayer, I pray that they will be one. So then the world will know that they are my people. Why don't the why doesn't the world know that we are God's people? You understand? Yes. If you want prayer, if you want power, if you want the Holy Spirit, if you want results, these are the steps. I just gave you the steps. Does the reason Pentecost happened. Look what Elenoy says, Desire of Ages, page 676. Because we talk a lot about abiding me. Uh, what does it mean to actually abide in Christ? It means to receive His Holy Spirit and to fully surrender, unreserved surrender. So, are we abiding in Christ? To surrender and to be filled with his spirit. These are the keys. These are the keys. That's the reason they experience power. Let me jump a little. We don't have time. I'm trying to, I'm trying to jump. I'm, for instance, do you know this story? No, I'm gonna tell you quick the story. So, it's a group, there was a group of people working in Siberia at the oil fields. Pulling oil from the ground. You know? And so, extremely cold. We talk about minus 60. 55, 60 below. And their church went from 100 to 80 to 60 to 40 to 20. Eventually, the church was dying. And they tried to do evangelism. And they tried to do Bible studies. And they tried to do this and that. And to have this health uh, 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 whatever event. And this cooking event. And this, nothing happened. And they said, you know, unless we get together and pray desperately, we will not survive. We are going to close the church. So they got together. They would go to work in extreme cold and then come in the night inside a nice fireplace and warm and pray. Guess what happened when they would come in the warmth inside? Everybody would fall asleep. So they said, we are not serious about prayer. What can we do to stay awake? And one of them says, well, you remember when we go fishing in the morning at 4 a.m.? We cut a hole in the ice. Nobody sleeps. Why? Because it's cold. Why don't we pray there? (laughs) They gathered at the fishing hole. And they decided to make sure that they are committed and they don't fall asleep. They would get in the water and get out and pray. And they did that for a day, two, three, four, a month, two months, and their church went to forty, to sixty, to eighty, to one hundred, and then the church started to grow. They had no more room in the building, and they planted a second, a third of five more churches in five villages around. Prayer. Commi- that's commitment. <laughs> that's a lot of commitment, brother. That's commitment. There are many examples. We don't have time. We have only 10 minutes and 58 seconds left over. I want to, 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 to read a quotation. I had here, I have about 23 stories. I gave you only about four. A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all other needs. To seek this should be our first work. All our needs. All, If you put them all together in the church. Not money, not this, not that. The greatest need is revival. This should be our first work. Our Heavenly Father is more willing to give His Spirit. Then we are ready to give good gifts to our church. But it is our work by confession, humility, repentance and earnest prayer. A revival needs to be expected only in answer to prayer. You know... Eleanor is talking about, and there there are plenty of paragraphs, I have them here, we don't have time. Talking about it, she says that they, in 1844, committed everything with no reservation. And then she says, we have never quite equaled that desire and commitment and love. There was a spirit of consecration and dedication. And she says that is not yet today. They are ready to sacrifice anything. And then she says, but today, the reason we don't commit is because we see among us conformity to the world and unwillingness to suffer for the truth. Wow. Unwillingness to suffer for the truth. In fact, in 1856, James White started to preach in that direction, while she was preaching also in that direction. And they started to write articles and called the church to come to prayer. And wake up, pray, behold the cross, be willing to surrender, be willing to sacrifice, self. Make God a priority. And when the church started to, to hear those messages and started to pray... The church worldwide was only 2,500 members in that time. When the church started to pray, revival started to happen. And she says that in 1857, listen, listen carefully, 1856, 1857. In 1856, November, until 1857, March, they prayed continually. From November through March. They pray continually. And prayer became a habit. Became the life of the church. She says from leaders to members. They started to pray for revival. And then this is what she says. Listen carefully now. When they started to pray. God sent angels in every direction. To prepare the world. When they started to pray. God said. Okay, this is it. Now I can finish it. And she says, God could have come then. Have you read those quotations? God could have come then. They started to pray. God sent angels. What happened when they started to pray? And God sent angels. In the same time, in the same time, in New York, a businessman, Jeremiah Lampier, not a pastor, He's the one that started the Bible Society. If you go in New York in front of the Central Park, you see his statue. He's right there in New York. He, in the same time, when they started to pray, in 1957, they started to pray in November 1956, and in 1957, Jeremiah Lampier called people, business people from New York, to prayer in Central Park. He put a big banner in front of the entrance. He said, prayer from 12 to 1, everybody is welcome. We will pray for you and with you. And first day, just about 10 people came. Second day, 15, 20 people. And then, after two weeks of prayer, the economy collapsed. The bank system failed. And next day, over 150,000 people came. And then, more and more and more and more, hundreds, thousands, and then literally, literally... The whole New York all factories would close from twelve to one because everybody would go to prayer. And they had literally caught ten thousand conversions a week, every week, until there were one point four million people converted. Because a group of our church members was praying continually. Now think about it, that's nothing. That's nothing. Because this is what happened. In the same time, in the same time, in England, the Keswick Convention, in England, two people, uh, Harford Basbury and Robert Wilson, got together. They started to pray. They called the city to pray. When the banking system failed, the city started to come to prayer. And then it spread. The Keswick Convention, it spread. It spread from that place to another, to another city, to another city, to another city. 400, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 people is spread through the world. To the whole Europe, Africa, Australia. Basically, the whole world started to explode. And if you think about it, in the same time, Evan Roberts, the Welsh Revival, also in England. Very interesting. He started to pray from 7 p.m. until 3 a.m. He would call people to prayer. Every single revival in the history has happened when one or two started to be serious about prayer. People come to me, What should I do for my church? Because the church doesn't pray. You need to pray. <laughs> Stop waiting for the church to pray. You are the church. Instead of, Well, the church doesn't pray. If you really want to do something, pray. Be serious. Make it a life or death priority. You follow me? And don't pray for a week. Pastor, I pray for a week, nothing happened. You don't go to Loma Linda for a week and you expect to get a degree in medicine. Why would you expect to pray for a week and change the world? They started to pray from 7 p.m. to 3 a.m., And more and more and more. The whole city came and then the whole country and we know it as Welsh Revival. And listen bars closed because they were out of business. Jails empty. The history says jails were empty. Judges and courts were closed and they lost their job and the police force had no more job. And and the journalist went to the police station and said to the the chief of police, what do you do now? Since nobody kills nobody steals, everybody got converted. And he said, quote, we formed four choirs. We sing praises to the Lord. That's nice! <laughs> in the same time, it went from 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 England, from Wales, it went to the whole England, it went to uh, uh, Europe, Scandinavia, Central Europe, South Europe, Canada, US, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Brazil, Mexico, Chile, and so on. And then it went in a few couple of years to Korea, and then it went to China, called the Manchurian Revival. It spread to Throughout the world. Remember the quotation. When they started to pray, God sent his angels to prepare the world. Guess what happened? In the same time, the government started to announce that they give farms for free. If they give land for free, if you are willing to start a farm, they give you land. Number one, number two, they found gold in California. Number three, more ships with immigrants, cheap labor came. And she says. Our people got interested in business and they want to get lands and they went for gold and they want. And she says they stopped praying and revival stopped happening. And then she has a very strong quotation, extremely strong, extremely strong. I mean, really strong, painful quotation. She says that they are not worthy to receive the Holy Spirit because they had other priorities. That God was ready to pour the Holy Spirit as a latter rain, but you're not worthy for it. Now think about it. Worldwide revival because a group of people started to pray from November through March, and the revival continued for a few years. Okay, I found the quotation. Listen here. Listen carefully. They were holy. Quote word by word. You can Google it on LNJYT State. You'll find it. They were wholly unfitted to receive the latter rain. Wholly unfitted to receive the latter rain. She says that the Holy Spirit was ready to come under the latter rain, but they were wholly unfitted. Uh, And then, in 1901, in 1901, uh, by the way, Uh, In the same time with the Keswick revival, it was Moody in Chicago. It was all over the world. In 1901, this happened again. And she invited them again to pray. And she prayed between 1901 and 1903. And she says that that's when God could have come again. He was ready to come. And in the same time, revival started again. And then they stopped praying again. And so, I am asking, what should we do to experience revival? Let me give you a few quotations. Uh, We already gave that. If God is to bless his church in the last days, it will be because the doctrine of the Holy Spirit will not only be studied, but sought after with the whole heart. Ministers and congregations will be found bowing together with one cry. We have grieved the Holy Spirit because we have tried to be Christians without the Holy Spirit. We have not sought to fill our churches with the Holy Spirit. If we do not have the Holy Spirit it would be better to close the churches. If the pastors don't have the Holy Spirit, they should stop preaching. I think I don't speak too strong when I say a church in the land without the Holy Spirit is rather a curse than a blessing. Uh Aha! You said right when you said ouch. Since this is the means by which we are to receive power, why don't we hunger? Why don't we thirst for the Spirit? Why don't we talk about the Spirit? Why don't we pray for the Spirit? Why don't we preach about the Spirit? We preach about anything but the Holy Spirit. We pray about anything but the Holy Spirit. The Lord is more willing to give His Spirit. And then He says, For the daily, this is the key word. Daily is not something that is one time deal. For the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit, every worker should pray. Now listen carefully. Companies of Christians should gather together and pray. And especially they should pray that God will baptize His church with a rich measure of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Spirit. Listen, with God's work will give the proclamation... Power. That's what we need. In the great and measureless gift of the Holy Spirit. Are contained. I want you to hear this. Are contained what? How many? Oh! Let me give you an example. Let me give you a parable. A made up parable. Let's suppose. I am the dad. And one of you is my kid. And you have a junk Toyota Camry from 19... 19- 85, and I own 11 Toyota. Okay, 12 Toyota dealers. 12 is a nice number that I give disciples. You know, I own 12 Toyota dealers. Okay, and you come to me. Can you please give me a bumper? I scratched the bumper. I had a little accident. I said, Son, I want to give you 12 dealers, all the thousands, tens of thousands of cars and everything. Stop looking for a bumper. No, no. All I need is a bumper. (laughs) <laughs> and then next day you say, can I have an alternator? It's all that it quit working. Son, get the dealer. I am old. I don't need it. I want to give it all to you. When you get the dealer, you have everything. New cars. Now all I need is an alternator. Please, would you give me an alternator? Do you get the picture? Yeah. We go to God and ask for a bumper. For a, Instead of asking for the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, all... Eleanor has other quotations. In one of them she says, All blessings are in its train." She says when the Holy Spirit comes, All blessings are in its train." If you want blessings, Stop seeking blessings. You need to start seeking the Holy Spirit. Amen. You understand what I am trying to say? Mm-hmm. All blessings. Another quotation. The reception of the Holy Spirit in his fullest is the greatest need of the church today the greatest need the greatest need the greatest need wow Um, I do have the other quotations we just don't have time I'm looking I'm looking to the clock we already passed three minutes Um, I'm going to jump a little I'm going to jump a little here ask for rain in the time of the latter rain this is the time of the latter rain this is the time this is the time Let me uh, explain something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in vain. Lord, do you like the Holy Spirit? You'll never receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes only for purpose. In Luke says that the Holy Spirit came over Jesus at his baptism... To prepare him for his... To anoint him for his ministry. And then I says the, the Holy Spirit comes to transform us. Or to enable us to do our mission. Basically, I could give you a ton of paragraphs that I have here and I don't have time. When you say give me the Holy Spirit, you will not get anything. But when you say, Lord, I want to reach my neighbor and I am unable. Therefore, I need your spirit. Then the Holy Spirit comes. comes when you have a desire to... To do something and you cannot do it. The disciple said, We want to reach the world, but we cannot do it. So we pray for the promise. Ellen White many times calls the Holy Spirit either the promise or the blessing. She says, God promised us. He says, He gave us the promise. But, and when they prayed for the promise, and later she says, the Holy Spirit so they say give us the promise when the disciples wanted to reach the world they had a purpose they had a vision they wanted to do their work to do their mission and they prayed for the Holy Spirit then the Holy Spirit came to enable them for that purpose the Holy Spirit doesn't come in vain you need to say Lord I cannot change myself I need your Holy Spirit to change me Lord I cannot reach my children I need your you need to have a mission in mind and the Holy Spirit comes to enable you to do that work you follow me? You need to be service, mission focused. In fact, in Christian service, she talks a lot about every single church member, regardless age, training, whatever. Everyone, she says, who has been converted should serve. And she says, then they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And she says, those that don't serve, they cannot be saved. I put it in my words. That's tough. Okay. We need to absolutely be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, ah, I wonder what example to of this twenty-three left over of you. Should I give you the Bergamo from Italy example? Should I give you the Kenya example, the Paris example? <laughs> can I uh, can I say something strong here? Yeah. Listen carefully. Without the Spirit, does it make sense to pray or to study the Bible or to go the, to church? Did you hear what I said? Without the spirit. Doesn't make sense. To pray. To study. Or to go to church. Pharisees. Prayed. At the corners. Everybody could see them. Am I right or wrong? Pharisees. Did study the word. And they did know the word. Pharisees and Sadducees. They knew the Bible. They could argue with you. And they did go to the temple. But because they were not filled. By God's spirit. They killed Jesus. Unless even the Bible, when you read it, you cannot understand. Because spiritual things could be understood spiritually. Without the Holy Spirit, you will get nothing out of it. You will just do your duty and experience no transformation. Without the Holy Spirit, there is nothing. There is no growth. There is no salvation. There is nothing. He will lead you in all things. You understand what I am trying to say? And so, uh, let me give you a parable from the Bible. Oh look here. With the reception of the Holy Spirit. All other gifts will be ours. This is what she says. The promise, blessing claimed by faith. When she says promise, blessing. She talks about the Holy Spirit. Brings all other. All. 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 Listen. All other blessings in its train. Isn't that powerful? We need to learn. To fully be filled. Continually. Daily. By the Spirit. And we need to be so focused. On the receiving of the Spirit. That we forget the other things. We forget life. We forget school. We forget job. The Holy Spirit is the priority. The other things follow. And if I go to school and I don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't need school. And if I go to work and I don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't need work. And if I live and I don't have the Holy Spirit. I would rather die. It's better for me to die. Because I'm going to be a curse, not a blessing. If I really want to be a Christian, I need to be filled with God. You follow me? It has to be a priority. Then you experience growth. Then you experience power. You need to be focused on this one goal. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with the promise of the Comforter. We need to be absolutely focused... Absolutely pray for thirst. Pray for a a, a fervent desire to be filled with God. Uh, We want to grow. For instance, we say that we need to grow in our spiritual life. How many of you want to grow? Okay, now be honest. How many of you experience the growth that you want to experience? You see what I am talking about? How many sermons have you heard in a lifetime? You go to church, you go to camp meeting, you go online. How many sermons have you heard? And yet, if you give to a baby so much food and the baby doesn't grow, there is something wrong with the baby. We get spiritual food, yet there is no growth. So there is something wrong with the baby. You follow me? We go to church, we get baptized. Is it good or bad? It's wonderful. Praise the Lord. But then we fail to grow. That means that the baby is sick. Because we have forty years old babies, sixty years old babies, that they still wear diapers. I mean it. I'm not talking about your age. I am talking about your spiritual age. How many years have you been baptized? That's what I am talking about. Forty years. How many? Who is the one that has been baptized the longest? And somebody says eight years ago. Pastors, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But listen, have you been growing? <laughs> Because if you have a baby that was born 40 years ago and he's still like that. There is literally something very wrong with that baby. You should have gone to the doctor long ago. (laughs) You understand what I am trying to say? There is no spiritual growth. And the Bible is clear. We should grow from babies to statue of fullness of Christ. To spiritual maturity. From milk to hard food. Where is that growth? If Christ lives in you. If the Holy Spirit lives in you. You will certainly develop. That means that the Holy Spirit is not in us the Holy Spirit does love us, does work with us but we never fully committed never fully allowed him, never fully surrendered because we have other priorities hello? do you hear me? Yes. Yes. because we have other focus when I was 17, 18 we went to the Black Sea, all the youth from that church and there is a lake called Tekirgol, people who know Romania know what I am talking about that's a big lake it's salty It's like Salt Lake City, but way bigger. I don't know. I I need to Google. I don't want to give you wrong information. But it has about 10 kilometers more or less long. And about 4 or 5 kilometers wide. I don't know. Am I right or wrong? Somewhere there. I'm close maybe. Anyway, not important. But it's big. And the pastor challenged us. Who can cross it swimming? That's a big challenge, brother. Because what happens? When you look from Ephoria, that's the city name north to Ephoria south, across the lake, the homes on the other side are like this, so it's far. And the problem is that when you stand up, you see the homes, but when you get in water and swim a little because of the waves, you don't see anything anymore. You don't even know what direction you go. You can go in circles for hours and then be discouraged and die in the middle of the lake. And so, people don't want to cross the lake. Because when you leave the shore, you see the shore farther and farther and farther. And then because of the waves, you don't see anything. And you don't know, uh, did I go a little to left or a little to right? You don't know. And then you keep swimming, but you don't see anything. And you don't know, am I making progress or the current keeps me in the middle? Because there is nothing except water. You don't know if you make any progress. You feel that you just stay in the same spot. And after three hours of swimming, you give up. You understand? So I called my dad. I want to win the contest. (laughs) What do I do? And my father said, you need to leave away anything that would distract you and stay focused on your goal. And it doesn't matter if you live or die. You have one goal and one reason. And that's not life and that's nothing but to keep going. That's what he said to me. I said, done. Over 25 young men, some of them rambos, big, you know, got in the water. I was slim. And we started to swim. And you're like, choo, 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 fast. Shoo. Me? I started to sing. pam, 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 pam. pam. <laughs> Pam pam. I imposed myself a, a rhythm. Yeah. And because I wanted to stay focused, I kept singing and swimming in the rhythm of the song. And I said, I'm not gonna stop unless I die. Amen. And this is it. I live for it. Pam pam. <laughs> and they passed me and they <laughs> and they stopped. I was coming, pam 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 and I caught them from behind, pam pam, and I passed them, and they say, "Hey, Pavel pass us! <registering> and they yeah. they all stopped. Me and my friend Pizzi, we kept pam 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 pam, after three four terms, they said, "You know, we are tired nonsense." The pastor and three other parents were in boats, in canoes, just as a safety net. And they said, when you cannot do it anymore, no worries, you can get in the boat. One by one, they all, except me and my friend Pizzi, one by one got in the boat. We were like, pam, 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 And they said, there is nobody to fight, to compete with. Get in the boat. We said, no, we have one goal in mind. That's to cross the lake and we will not get in the boat. What if you die? That's okay. We are willing to die. We are going to cross the lake. And we kept going for four hours and we crossed the lake. They were there eating at the restaurant. They said, OK, get in the boat. We got some water, jumped in the water. Four more hours. Pam, pa, pam, 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 pam. And we crossed back and forth. I'm not a good swimmer. But I had one focus in mind. The reason we don't get the Holy Spirit is because we are all over. The Holy Spirit has to be the priority of your life. Do you understand what I am trying to say? Unless you set your mind, make it the focus of your life, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll never get anything. If you are all over and you want this and you want that and you want and you also want the Holy Spirit, you'll never get anything. You need to make it the reason you live. You follow me? It must be the center. Anything else that has priority over the presence of the Holy Spirit is your God, is your idol. Hello? Yeah. And let me explain. When we are so determined, that's when finally growth happens. If you don't grow spiritually, it's because you didn't get to that determination. You want it, but you don't want it. Oh, i like to change, but not today. (laughs) Not bad enough. And that's the reason God may allow challenges to wake you up. And he says, what is the benefit to get this and that if you perish? And God says, are you worshipping your job? Are you worshipping your house, your whatever, your children? I'm going to take it away from you to save you. And it's better if you say, no, Lord, I give it up myself. Trust me. And Lord. I make you a priority. You don't need to take it. Because now you are number one. You follow me? And so. Saying that. Think about this. The kingdom of heaven. Is like 10. Matthew 25. Like 10 virgins. What do you mean Jesus? Jesus. The kingdom, if you want to get in the kingdom, to get there is like ten virgins. What did Jesus say about the ten virgins? What did he say about the ten virgins? How many of them were virgins? Now, the the prostitute woman from Revelation is the symbol for the apostate church. Am I right? But the virgin woman from Revelation is a symbol for God's church. They are all virgins, all ten. Not only five, the wise. How many are dressed in white? All ten? Including the foolish? What is the white robe? It's Christ's robe of righteousness. They all ten. Think about it. Ellen white says, and I have the quotation. Up to a certain point, there is no difference between them. They all go to church. They all believe in the truth. They all preach the truth. She says there is no difference between them. They are all in the church. Whoa. How many of them have lamps? what is the lamp thy word thy word is a lamp unto my feet it says in Psalm 119 and in Proverbs it says your commandments are a lamp and a light who has the commandments and the word, what church Uh they all have the lamp, the commandments the truth Okay. how many of them have oil in the beginning Okay. All ten. Because in the beginning they had light. Later when they f- fell asleep, the oil ended. Am I right? Yeah. So all ten have oil when they get baptized. Listen, it's not enough to be born. You need to grow. Amen. It's not enough to get married. You need to stay married. It's not enough to go to school. You need to graduate. Otherwise, nonsense. It's not enough to be baptized. You need to grow to the stature of fullness of Christ. We think, oh, he got baptized, praise the Lord. No, not praise the Lord. Praise the Lord if he keeps growing. You follow me? We think, I did it. No, you didn't. You need to keep doing it. And so, how many of them got baptized? All ten. How many of them had oil in the beginning when they got baptized? All ten. But listen carefully. In the Hebrew culture, if you look carefully in translation, in the spirit of prophecy, in the culture, in the history, they had the lamp. I have the picture. It's so small. The oil from the lamp would last four hours. And they had a, a clay container that the oil in the container would last eight hours. So that means you could fill the lamp two more times. Four hours and eight hours. How much together? It will last them through the night. Okay. They all ten had oil in the lamp, but five of them didn't fill the reserve container. And the Lenwight says that they failed to have daily fellowship with Christ. They failed to be filled with the Holy Spirit daily, she says. So basically, they get baptized, they go to church, they sing Kumbaya, they keep Sabbath, they do everything perfect. But they get distracted with job and this and that and fix the car. They don't do anything wrong. They don't break the Sabbath. They are not sinners. They just don't have time to daily fill the container. Do you get it? They are so busy... Satan keeps them busy that they don't have time to daily fill the container. And they still have oil. And the oil goes a little lower today. And there is so little that you don't see the difference. A little, just a little. There is still light. There is still fire. There is still light. The oil just a little, just a little, just a little, just a little. There is still light. Now listen carefully. How many fall asleep? Including the wise? That's what she says. She says in Selected Messages, listen carefully, I have the quotation. She says that the church is sleeping, and then she says the pastors have no power to wake them up. And then she says, because the pastors themselves are sleeping. So I am preaching and snoring. She says, preachers, she says, cannot wake the members because they themselves are sleeping. And then she says, quote, sleeping pastors preaching to sleeping members. Yeah, I have the quotation. She says, sleeping pastors preaching to sleeping members. That's, that's powerful, isn't it? Look here. It says in 2nd uh, Testimonies, page 337, last sentence. Sleeping ministers preaching to sleeping people. Do you see it there? Nice, isn't it? <laughs> what is the what is sleep? Oil oh, is the Holy Spirit. We, we talked about it. The the lamp. The oh, we, we talked. What is sleep? What is sleep? What is sleep? Well, let me tell you what is sleep. Jesus was in the boat. There was storm. The disciples, wake up! Don't you care that we perish? And the little says, he knew that he is safe in the Father's hands. Therefore, he could sleep in the midst of the storm. Peter, is in prison with Barnabas you remember? oh no, Paul and Barnabas now we talk about Peter, Peter was in prison and you're supposed to execute him next day and she says that Peter was sleeping sleeping. and then she says in the book of Acts of the Apostles because he knew that God is in control and nothing happens as long as God is in control so she says he was safe in God's hands, what is sleeping? it's a sense of safety It's a false sense of security. The the virgins say, we are Adventists. They were waiting, the virgins were waiting for the groom. Am I right? Who is waiting? What church is waiting for the second coming? We are Adventists. We have the doctrines. We know the sanctuary. We have the Sabbath. We eat healthy. We go to church. We return tight. We keep Sabbath. We do this and that. And we got to the point that we confuse forms with presence. Presence. We think that if we have the forms, we must have the Holy Spirit. And we are satisfied at the forms level. Forms are good, but without the Holy Spirit, they accomplish nothing. No transformation. Therefore, they fall asleep because they feel safe. And in the middle of the night, the cry is heard. The groom is coming! What is the cry? Leno says, God allows events... To wake the church up. All the events that happens. Maybe COVID. Maybe are. She says he does nothing without preparing his people. He prepared them before the flood. He prepared them before leaving Babylon. He prepared them before Sodom and Gomorrah. He prepared them before the fall of Jerusalem. When you see the armies. He gives them signs so they know. It's coming. Get out of Jerusalem. He's coming. Get ready. He's coming. You follow me? And so is this signs that happens. That wake them up. And they say. The groom is coming. Let's wake up. How many of them wake up? Hi. All ten. All, ten, all ten, including the foolish, they all experience revival. They go to camp meeting, they sing kumbaya, they you know, they all experience revival, they all wake up. But when they wake up, five have reserved oil and five don't. And those that are destitute of the Holy Spirit, they perish. I want you to think: all that we do doesn't save you. Unless you are filled with oil. Did you hear what I said? Unless you are daily filled. Unless you daily fill your preserved container with the Holy Spirit. You cannot grow. You cannot save anybody. You yourself cannot be saved. Without oil. Jesus says, I don't know you. Open the door. We have been going to church. We did evangelism. Yes, you did. I don't know you. You follow me? Without the Holy Spirit, there is no salvation. Now think about it. Think about it. They all wake up. Five of them don't have oil. But they expect him to open the door. That tells you that they had a false understanding of salvation. You understand what I am trying to say? They have a a mixed religion with paganism. For instance, what can I do to be saved? You don't do, you belong. For instance, the guy who owned 10,000 talents, he says, listen carefully, forgive me and I will pay you back. Did you get it? They mix faith, grace with works. Either you are forgiven and you don't need to pay. If you are forgiven, you don't need to be forgiven. And there is nothing to pay. Or you pay back and you don't need forgiveness because you pay back. How can you say, forgive me and I pay back? If you are forgiven, you don't need to pay back. They don't understand religion. They mix everything. It's a mixture between paganism and, and, and Christianity. And it's just a total chaos in their mind. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you can read the Bible forever. You will never understand the Bible. Without the Holy Spirit, you can go to church and do this and do that. You'll never grow. Because it is only, you can water, you can plant. It is only the Holy Spirit that gives the growth. Do you understand? It's totally a chaos. That's the reason. Nothing happens. Let me jump a little here and finish for tonight. Because we passed 27 minutes our time. Don't call me back. To be ready for the second, I jumped to slide 53. To be, literally, to be ready, to be ready, to be ready means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be ready? You remember the quotation that I gave you before? Abiding, desire of page six seven six. Abiding in Christ means to receive His Holy Spirit continually and to have an unreserved surrender daily to His service, to service, to service, to service. Daily surrender to service. Let me. Uh, I'm jumping, 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 jumping. By the way, you remember, he says there, when he comes, he will convict the world of what? Sin, righteousness, and? What is that? Can you explain it to me? Let me explain it to you. Of sin is when you get baptized. And that's called justification or conversion. Righteousness is what we don't do when you grow. And that's called sanctification. And judgment is glorification. It's the Holy Spirit that leads you through the whole process. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no baptism. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no growth. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no salvation. He will lead you. He will lead you through all things. I'm going to jump to the end. I'm going to jump to the end. Jump, 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 jump. Okay. Okay. In the parable, all ten virgins went out to meet the bridegroom. All have oil. So there is no visible difference between them. So would the church in the last days before Christ's second coming. They all have a knowledge of Christ. They all hear the message. They all believe the message. They all preach the message. But as in the parable, so it is now. They all go to sleep. And listen carefully. At the end, those that perish, they are destitute of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this quotation. Without the Holy Spirit, a knowledge of the word, what I told you, even to read the Bible, a knowledge of the word is of no avail. The theory, unaccompanied by the Spirit, cannot sanctify the heart. You may know the commandments or the promises, but without the Spirit, the character will never be transformed. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot even distinguish truth from error. Wow, isn't that powerful? The class represented by the foolish are not hypocrites. They go to church, they sing kumbaya, they preach the truth. But they are content with a superficial religion. They don't know God. Their service to God degenerates into forms. That's what I told you before. They confuse presence with forms. At the final day, many will claim admission to Christ's kingdom. But in this life, they have not entered into fellowship with Christ. That's the filling the container daily. They don't know the language of heaven. Saddest of all words, I don't know you. The fellowship of the spirit. The fellowship of the spirit. The fellowship of the spirit. The tune elected could alone prepare you for the marriage feast. The fellowship of the spirit. Think about it. I'm going to finish right here. In the great measureless gift of the Holy Spirit are contained all heavenly resources. It's not because of any restriction on God's part that we don't receive the Holy Spirit. If all are willing to receive, they all will be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that powerful? Okay, let's finish. What is the benefit if you came here today and you stayed so long? If you don't make a decision. The benefit is that I lose my voice and I stay away from my wife instead of being home. I don't get anything to come here. I lose time and you lose time. You better stay home, eat a nonsense pizza and watch a nonsense movie. If you come here, it means that you have a thirst. And if you have a thirst, don't be happy with half measure. All or nothing if you really mean what you say, get in all. See what happens. If you die, die. I'm going to promise I'm going to give the nicest funeral sermon for you. <laughs> See what happens. You live or you die. What's the problem? Don't love, your, don't love your life. Stop loving your life. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Get all of it in it. Get all of you in it. Say, Lord, all of me. My life, my job, my time, my, all of me. I give you permission and do that daily. Lord, wake me up tomorrow. Use cold water if you have to. Wake me up. I really want to make you a priority. Don't think I cannot do it. Yes, you cannot do it. I cannot do it. But God can do it. Just call his presence. He who calls the name of the Lord shall be and by the way, the Greek grammar doesn't say he who calls. It's a present continued tense that means repetition. That means translated is like this. He who keeps on calling. That's the translation. He who keeps on calling the name of the Lord shall be saved. Basically, say, Lord, I need you. And again, Lord, I need you again. And, Lord, I give you permission again. Lord, I give everything to you. Lord, I, basically, I am nobody without you. So therefore, I am all in it. And then, You will see. You will not see an explosion. You will not see anything over the moment. But as the wind, you don't see the wind, but you see the results. In time, you will see things that you never expected. But you need to have one focus and one alone. To be filled with oil. That's when you see results. In your life, in your family, in your work or school or whatever. In your church. And we live that time. We live that time when Jesus is coming. If we don't wake up now, then when? That's the reason they say, Lord, open the door. Because they keep procrastinating. There is no more time, brothers and sisters. No more time to procrastinate. It's time to wake up. Do you really love Jesus? Not only words? Then make it a priority. Make him a priority. If not... We misrepresent Jesus, we do damage to his name and we do damage to the church. Hello? Did you hear what I said? It's like a train with one engine and 200 wagons that do nothing. You just keep pulling the church behind. Get busy. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, get working. You want blessings? Get busy. You follow me? Don't worry about results. Don't worry about results. Don't worry about growth. Don't worry about baptism. Don't worry about transformation. Don't worry about salvation. That's none of your business. God never asked you to do that. He asked you to fully commit. To fully surrender. Do that. Let him worry for the rest. Okay? I'm not going to give you another story to finish what I was intending to. But I'm going to call you to prayer. To serious prayer. To really say, Lord... Help me to do I really want to do that. I give you permission. Help me to do that. And even if you fail, you do it for five days and then you get busy, you get tired one night, you talk too much with your family and then you don't wake up in the morning. Don't get distracted and discouraged. Get back to it. And keep doing it. You follow me? Keep doing it. Keep Say, I live for it. I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it. And you will see results. God bless you tremendously. May God, if we do that, we will see revival. If we do that, you'll see not only the school or the job or the city, Loma Linda or whatever. You'll see the whole country changed. You'll see the Holy Spirit being pulled as latter rain over the world. God needs a hand of fully committed people and God can turn the world upside down. Why not you? Why not me? God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse